and welcome to Sex Time. That's been a long time coming. It has. I feel like we've been recording an episode this whole day, but nobody's been recording it. But you did burn me pretty bad back there at the Goodwill. What? When I said that I wanted your opinion on work dresses, and you said, no, you're getting pretty good at at discerning what you should and shouldn't get. And I said, no, sometimes I still want things that are bad for me. And you said, yeah, you're wearing it. Do you want to describe what you're wearing? If anybody follows the Instagram, they know. It's my flamingo sweater that I got it on sale. It was on the sale rack for some reason. I don't know why. I love it so much. You want to describe what else you have with you? I have a pink pig purse. It's a purse in the shape of a pig. And you love it. I love it. I love my things that are bad for me. Yeah. I guess this is like, if you're going to be picking things that are bad for you, I think fashion choices are the safe bad things for you. Yeah. I, now that you mention it, I do miss drugs. Remember you were telling me, I'm not going to say whose name it is because they have like our business and a family, but you said to them, blank. Remember how fun cocaine was? (laughs) I've never done cocaine. Um, which can you even imagine me with cocaine? The last thing I need is to be faster and more confident. (laughs) Can you imagine? Um, so it's been a while since we've recorded. It has. And it's about five months. Yeah, we're doing our autumnal recordings and then we'll just see what the spring brings. I would, I think, I know every time we have recorded in like the past year, we said, now we're going to try it this way. Keep tuned, stay tuned for more episodes. And then nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to make any promises. But I do like the idea of like, this is the season where you're no longer compelled to be outside. At least not like you were. So maybe we just kind of have it be the school year sort of thing. Maybe. And then summer you um, go out and go to Glacier and I don't see you for three weeks or something. Yeah, I mean, I do still run a lot in the autumn and the winter. You don't go on backpacking trips and stuff like that, though. No, it's the hibernation time. It's time for me to watch TV. Yeah. And, and, and then is, talk about it. This is the TV it's going to be. Oh, boy. How have we been? How have you been? Um... It's been, like, a very mixed bag over the past, I don't know, five or so months since we recorded. Um, The last time we did record, I um, had driven down to California for some soccer games and to see some family. And I pushed it really hard with my driving schedule. And I ended up getting only a few hours of sleep over a couple nights and driving the entire length of California, basically. And so I had, like, two complete emotional breakdowns like calling my parents, hyperventilating and crying. I'm 34. That's a fun vacation. Um, But overall, it was good. um, And I'm glad I did it. And then over the summer, I professionally, things are going well for me. But uh, there were a variety of things that uh, led to me kind of dipping back into a depressive state. I don't do well in summer. And that usually is a driver of that. So I spent some time on antidepressants. And now I'm back off of them, and I'm feeling pretty okay. Good. That reminds me, as soon as this hot cocoa is cooled enough, I need to take my Wellbutrin and Duloxetine, the cocktail that works for me. Wellbutrin is very good. Duloxetine is great. I guess I have PTSD, so I'm taking it for that. I had very violent nightmares last night, as I do many nights. So, how are you? In my dream last night... Me and some other people were kidnapped by Nazis who were trying that occult stuff that the Nazis were into to bring back Hitler. 
and they decapitated us in a guillotine over and over. So it was historical. Yeah. It was my worst brains fan fiction. God. So you want to talk about where we are right now? Uh, We're in a little park. We can hear the train and we're by some coffee. We're actually in person, which does not happen very frequently when we record. Um, And due to life circumstances and busyness and responsibilities and trains, uh, we don't get to hang out very much in person anymore, even though we work together. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of nice. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. And weekends just book up so much. Yeah. I've been gone a lot. I also took a trip to California and was in Yosemite for a week and did some rescue work in Crescent City. And then... Where did I go for the second week? Oh, hiking around, around locally. And then I was in Hawaii for a week, and Mm -hmm. that was the best ever. My hair was great. My skin cleared up. I went swimming for, like, nine hours a day, just looking out at the ocean and quivering and then jumping into it all day, every day. Get distracted by fish and follow a fish around. And, um, yeah, Julie and I are going back in March. You should put some of the photos you took on the Instagram. Okay. Because they are stunning. Now we have a helicopter joining us. Good. That's just what this podcast needs. More audio uh, junk. We live in a city. I mean, the option was for us to go sit in a car and do this. Too warm. I was not going to move all of my empty Coke bottles for you. No, and I still have the the plastic from the uh, flowers from burying your hamster on the floor. So... Right about when I was leaving for California, uh, I'm a part of a buy-nothing group for my neighborhood. Somebody was getting rid of a hamster who has since gotten rid of another hamster. I think they are just unloading their animals when they get old because they don't want to be the one that deals with their eventual demise and death. Uh, This hamster I felt an obligation to be the responsible human for, even though I've never particularly... I'm having trouble enunciating. Surprise. Um, I've never felt like a strong affinity for hamsters or a desire to have one, um, but I felt compelled. I was called to it. Is that how Christians feel? Uh, I don't know. She was a cute hamster, though. So Badger took care of her for a week when I was in California, and because of Badger, I was actually able to pick her up, which was not the case when I first got her. Um, She never really took to me. She seemed to take to Badger very well. I did the best I could for her. Um, She started to decline pretty sharply um, and then she did pass and I've never dealt with a dead animal before and um, not like this anyway like I've had pets that have had to be euthanized but um, dealing with the actual corpse was different so Badger was my death doula and talked me through handling it when it happened and then um, I stored her body respectfully um, until I could get to Julie's house and we buried her. You buried her. You dug the hole and everything and mm-hmm. got her flowers. And I really did appreciate that. That was very kind of you to do that. Yeah. I think when you have a non-religious background or are currently non-religious, it's very important in, in times when somebody has crossed through the door to kind of have someone coach you through what to do and what to say. Because there's no like agnostic or atheist tradition for it. I did make her a cross, mm-hmm. and I painted it with dark nail polish and put pink holographic glitter on it so that if it caught the sun, it would sparkle, but then we buried her in the shade. 
Yeah, it was, uh, I didn't, I wanted to make sure it was a spot in the yard where nobody was going to dig in it for a little while. But it is marked, so I can get her skull for you in a couple of years. I don't think I need it. Okay. You can have it. If I remember, sure. Mm-hmm. You liked her. Mm-hmm. She was so soft. She was so soft, and I loved how she would just shove kibbles into both of her cheek pouches, which went all down along her body. Mm-hmm. And then she'd go into a corner, and with her little paw, she'd sort of force all of the kibble out all at once, and it was shocking. I loved it. Jordan didn't know. Jordan is a coworker <laughs> of ours. Um, Jordan didn't really understand that hamsters had the pouches, and so I showed her video of Franny. Her name was Francoise, and Franny is what we called her. And um, I showed her video of her with her cheeks stuffed, and Jordan's like, what the hell is happening? And so she came over, and I had her feed Franny, and just like pour kibble in her hand and say like let her have at it and she kept going and Jordan's like is this okay and I'm like yeah (laughs) it's okay like they you know you want to make sure that they don't have it stuck in there because it can happen but as far as I knew she never had any issues getting anything stuck and then you pet her cheek pouches after she's full of kibble and it feels so weird it's like a beanbag yeah full of kibble so it taught me a lot (laughs) and I mean I'm not sorry that I got her and I'm not sorry for how um, things went. I think I did the best I could for her with my limited knowledge and your help. So, yeah. Yeah. Franny got picked up a lot when I had her that week and Franny helped me realize that I had never had a hamster or really dealt with them before, but that I would like to have one sometime. So now you have all of her supplies. Mm -hmm. So should there be another situation in which one needs to be taken away from people who are not good for it? Yep. They can just get put into Franny's friend box. Mm-hmm. What else have we got going on? Oh, so much. Yeah. We're both busy at work with new opportunities and challenges and de- developing our career paths. Yeah, and blah, blah, blah. We got some fancy new work dresses at Goodwill mm-hmm. and... Then went into my car and immediately got chocolate on my hand that had melted off of the granola bar that I ate and fell onto my emergency brake. So that's, uh, so things are pretty normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did a little bit of work, um, to prepare for today and I listened to a lot of our old recordings, both our initial recordings and our most recent recordings. Our initial ones, we tried a good structure, and you made me promise. Well, there was a little, like, field mouse that just ran away. Oh, it's gone now. If I see it again, I'll show you. Um, We were going to try to keep it tight and do only, like, 10 minutes on Sex in the City to try to allocate less time to that and more time to Adventure Time since there were two episodes we were going through. We did okay with that for a little bit. And then our last episodes we recorded were... Oh my God, I'm so tired. We're both so tired. Everybody is just so tired. Mm -hmm. Um, And we didn't even like record about the show. (laughs) Um, But I listened back to the last episodes that we actually saw and talked about. And I sent you notes on those. So if you remember, just to kind of catch people up to prepare for when we actually like do a more like typical episode. We watched the one where Carrie uh, kink shames the guy that she's seeing and then outs him publicly for it. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. John Slattery wanted to be peed on 
and she wasn't there for it and she used it against him. Yeah. She's a bad person. What's the name that you called her when we were texting the other day? It was like Corey Brownstone or something. Yeah, Corey Brimling. Corey Brimstone. There you go. <laughs> um, and then the Adventure Time episodes that we watched were, um, I forget the order that they were in, but one of them was the second Susan Strong episode where they go down um, and bring the fire mm-hmm. d- down. To um, Utopia. Yeah, and we're left with a question about whether or not Susan Strong is a human. Um, and it was kind of like an emotionally wrenching episode for Finn because he's struggling with his identity and, um, thinking he's the last human and we don't know what it means yet. Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, but I can't get spoiled. I won't contemplate it. It's too much emotional turmoil for me right now. And then there was another episode and I texted the notes to you. Hang on. Let me see if I can pull up the note on the phone without it getting interfering with the recording. So I have it saved in. Oh, uh, the second candy zombie outbreak where. Um, yes, the. Uh, what is it called? Uh, it, gets, it gets worse. It gets worse. Yeah. And that's the one where the rat ultimately saves the day because he knows how to do science. Because he is science. So. That's where we left things when we were sticking to our structure. We had talked about changing up how we were doing things, like recording our own segments, and then you send me yours and we put them together. Or trying to, again, do it on a live call like we had been doing. Or where where are you sitting with that right now? Uh, I don't think... I, I don't think I'm going to have the time or impetus to put notes together and record on my own okay so we'll have to we'll have to just do it together on a call or in a situation such as this yeah I think that's how I prefer it to be too because I um had to do a couple of solo episodes because of circumstances um during some of the more trying times we had over the last year and some of the more um difficult schedules we were dealing with and it is I don't like just talking yeah, there's nothing to riff off of, and, you know, your podcast friend Kristen, that's that's not what she's here for. I don't know, but she's so excited. I told her we were thinking about recording again, and I had forgotten that um, Somebody she, she was our it. listener. <laughs> so I met Kristen in person about a week and a half ago because the podcast we listen to, Too Beautiful to Live, they are doing a tour of, the, um, of a couple of spots in the U.S., uh, for their 3,000th show. Oh, there's a the little mouse look under the bench. It's like a little mouse or a rat. Is it a rat? It's a rat. Good looking rat. Healthy. Yeah. Shiny coat. Mm-hmm. Ran fast. Um, so she and I have been in connection to this podcast, Facebook friends, for probably a couple of years now. And um, she listened to all of Sex Time, which... There's only, like, three people that have done that. Yeah. I mean, props to her. I don't, I couldn't listen to all of Sex Time. I've never listened to one of our episodes. Well, I, I did only for the... Trying to have some consistency. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying I can't listen to our episodes. So, but it's great that Kristen feels like she just knows us both so well. 
Yeah, because when I met her and we actually talked in person and I was, you were talking about our lives and like being in the area and I said, you know, and like there's my bestie Badger and she's like, oh yeah, I'm familiar because I listened to your show. And I was like, oh, that's right. You were the one. (laughs) You're one of three because there's her, Emily, Mm -hmm. and then Taylor, Mm -hmm. who I know listened to all of them. And then we had people who listened to some episodes at least. I don't know. um, Did Kate keep listening? Uh, I don't know. I doubt it. Um, And then Lisa, I don't think, kept listening. Jordan might listen. Great. Wait, which? Work Jordan. Oh. Uh, Or personal Jordan might. He probably will. All the Jordans. Sure. Um, It's weird that work Jordan might be listening, but shout out if she is. Just because this seems so separate from work. Mm-hmm. So unwork, so inappropriate for work. But have you gotten to know her mm-hmm. a little more? I think that that... Yeah, no, I think she's great. Yeah, we can strike that balance yeah. and keep the personal personal and the work work and not be weird about it. Yeah. <laughs> Even though uh, Chelsea and I were getting up to some antics, Eric left us alone for a whole hour and we just... It, what an hour it was. Uh, and we were describing the hour that he'd left us alone... Selene was also there and just she's her sense of humor is so dry and so good and so quiet she just picked up her phone and said Siri call HR (laughs) I believe it you crazy kids um I feel like now that my turmoil at work of like going through some really tough situations and some weird job changes and trying to do a task with a very difficult department I was in now that that's all basically over and I've kind of settled into this new role and it's way less like emotionally taxing to go to work I feel like I'm a little more fun to be around at work so you guys included me in a Pokemon raid the other day yeah you haven't done that in a long time I haven't done a raid in a long time I just felt it was nice that the invitation was even extended because I thought for a while everyone was like, fuck Kelly. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm not always pleasant to be around. I'm not even like sometimes pleasant to be around probably. (laughs) So it was nice to be included. Well, you're welcome. It was my idea. Thanks. I thought it was Chelsea's. No, it was mine. Okay. (laughs) Is Chelsea going to listen? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's definitely going to. (laughs) Um, so it's almost, it's technically fall, but we're having a very sunny sit right now. It's nice. Yeah. So today's a day you would definitely be outdoors a lot, I feel. Mm-hmm. Are you planning to later? Yeah, probably going to trot around and do all kinds of neighborhood things. Cool. I'm going to Seattle with Chris to watch a Mariners game. And then I'm going to Seattle tomorrow with another one of our coworkers and her friends to watch a Thorns game. And then I'm going to Seattle on Monday with like a bunch of coworkers for a conference. And then I'm going to Seattle again with Kristen on Friday to go watch that podcast recording. So we have Seattle covered from today until next Sunday, basically. Yeah. The only gap is going to be more or less overnight for yeah. a couple nights. So. Um, Kimberly's going to be up in Seattle this weekend too. Oh yeah? Yeah. What's she doing? Uh, I don't know. Probably baseball, too. Or no, it's next weekend. I don't know what she's doing. Oh, I'm like, unless they're playing the Cubs, she's, she wouldn't be going up there for that. I don't know. She just mentioned she's going to be up there that weekend. 
Um, and I was like, oh no, we'll miss each other. And then I was like, oh, we work at the same place for see you every now and then yeah I she and I connected on Skype the other day so Kimberly is one of our co-workers and she changed jobs within our organization and works uh, at a different site than we do so we don't really see her anymore but um we saw her like a week and a half ago maybe two mm -hmm. weeks ago and it was good to see her and um Dana's gonna go out there to pick apples for the monkeys mm -hmm. and get lunch with Kimberly and then the next time Kimberly's over where we are we should get coffee or something yeah so it's nice to work with people you like and it's nice to want to keep in touch with them even after they leave so yeah it's nice to work where we work it is and it's also very trying to work where we work but it i'd is. rather work there than anywhere else no kidding they're gonna have to oh is that a spider yeah it's a jumping spider i feel like it touched me come here my darling is it okay it's not to toxic poisonous no, venomous they're friendly to people okay it's definitely going towards you come here it senses the your vibe your aura i love it not in this sweater oh it's on me you didn't name it no because this one should probably stay outside i always want one for inside though to keep the bugs down. Mm-hmm. Look, he's doing his little blue, blue, blue with his mandibles. He hasn't, um, he's thick. He's, it's a baby one. They get a lot bigger than this. The proportions on it are not what I think of when I think of a spider. His short legs. With a jumping spider. I don't know what that means relative to It other. means that they're very darling. Okay. Well, I'm glad it found you and you it. I hope he stays a while. Um, switching topics a little bit since I am going up to Seattle with Chris and we've had two people from like your circle on before mm -hmm. we had Taylor and we had Emily on um and uh kind of got that perspective and experience and Emily of course was um very um she had a good time <laughs> I just love that she made fun of you the way that I love that girl Jordan made fun of you the other day and it was the same way Maybe if that speaks to me having issues that need to be addressed and the only way people know how to address them is to mock me. Yeah. Um, do you want to repeat it? I don't remember exactly what it was. So Jordan's been making fun of me for a while. Oh, he's on your purse. Oh. Enjoy. Uh, girl Jordan has been making fun of me for a while because... Um, she and Lisa and I were talking one day about, so Jordan went to a high school where I know people who debated. You on the um, ground. Are you not even listening because of the spider? I want the spider. Okay. No, I'm listening. Um, so we kind of got into talking about the formats of debate because it was policy debaters that went to her high school that I knew. And then we were talking about the form of debate that I did, which you did as well. Um, we even partnered together at a tournament at Lewis and Clark. Yeah, I did every style of debate except... Um, policy. Did you do policy? I never did Lincoln Douglas. Oh, I didn't I did either. NPDA, IPDA, and Worlds. Oh, you... Okay, so when we were at Lewis and Clark, we were in a weird theater. This is one of the first jokes you told that I was like, I want to know this person forever. So I got up and I gave my speech and I said, I feel like I'm Steve Jobs doing a product demonstration for Apple and you got up and said something to the effect of like I feel like I am 
doing a product demonstration of a product demonstration for Apple or something like that. And I don't remember exactly what you said, but I remember being very tickled by it. I thought that was one of my weaker jokes that I've ever told in my life. Well, I didn't know you very well yet. Oh. You've told very good jokes. Thank you. <laughs> it probably should never be repeated. When I was listening back, I heard... <laughs> The last, I think, episode we put up, we were recording separately um, because the audio file had failed because my phone was in French. Yeah. But then I found it, which was a really shitty recording. But So you were recording while you were outside walking and you recorded like three or four segments and then you almost got hit by a car and you were like, I don't want to die like this. (laughs) (laughs) And I laughed quite a bit. And then another joke that I liked is um, the episode where Carrie is accidentally a prostitute. And you're like, oh, God forbid she does one day of work in her life. <laughs> That's pretty good. I don't remember saying any of this. I, the only, like, good joke that I remember saying on this podcast was uh, when we were talking about, like, you doing a Broadway show. It would just be you, like, sitting there doing a manicure. And Kelly doing manicure. I don't remember this. <laughs> I block out. So speaking of ripping into me, which is where I was initially going with this, as I was talking about debate, blah, blah, blah. And um, to, I flippantly said it kind of, but at one point in debate, I was kind of a big deal. I was. I made it to quarterfinals at Oxford. I know. I made it to quarterfinals at Oxford. Everyone knows. So... I was looking for videos, but the um, ones that are all online, the person who was hosting them passed away. So I think that they've all kind of disappeared forever. And so I said I was kind of a big deal. And then Lisa and Jordan just like started laughing at me. And so they call me big deal all the time. Yeah. And then (laughs) when I had Jordan come out to pub quiz one time and Chris was there, I said, Chris, vouch for me. I was kind of a big deal. And he said, yeah, she was. And he doesn't usually get genuine. <laughs> and I'm like, I felt vindicated, but she still makes fun of me. So, so I was though. You're just smiling and nodding. Like you don't want to anger me. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to say. Like, I, th- I feel, is, I mean, it happens. I'm, I know it's a good accomplishment, but it happened so long ago. And I've heard you say it so many times. You've done good things after that. Name one. It's your life, man. You name one. Well, the point of this story was not to point out that I was really good at debate, which I was. (laughs) I should not have done that when you have a gulp of hot chocolate in your mouth. Take your Wellbutrin, by the way. I did. Okay. Oh, that's right. I saw you with pills. Um, The point is somebody else is taking the piss out of me like you were all the time and so it's so you uh rest assured that even though we don't see each other as often um someone's still keeping my ego in check a little bit i'm really happy about that i need it i'm really glad you joined the team yeah so another thing off of this conversation speaking of chris is that since we're going to seattle and we're going to be in his car for a very long time is that i wanted to uh, interview him and add him to this episode since we've had people from your circle and not really people from mine. You know Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had some ideas for things I could ask him. I only have one thing to ask him. And that is, why are you such a dick? Do you want to explain any of the dickish things he's done? 
he's just like generally dickish. Um, I think the most dickish thing that he did to me was when we were up at a debate tournament Northwest, um, I was judging and I met one of the judges on my panel and I thought he was very handsome and we were flirting a little bit. And I went and told Chris that, hey, I, uh, I met this other person who was adjudicating and he's, he's cute. I think he was flirting with me. And Chris, without moving, because his stomach hurt for six hours straight, just said, you just think he's hot because you went to Harvard. <laughs> and later that tournament, uh, he asked me, or he asked for my number. Like he effectively asked me out. And I went and told Chris, like, no. He asked me out. And Chris said, no, he didn't. That's Chris. What the fuck, man? Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> so the, there were a lot of dickish things that Chris has done to me because I've been in his orbit way more than you have for a very long time. But one of the worst things he did was when we were in Cork, Ireland for a debate tournament. <laughs> Do you remember what this you is? told me about it. Um, was it the Butter Museum or something? No, that is a different story. That's me being a dick to Chris. I'll tell that story in a second. Um, so we went to Ireland twice. This was the second time. Um, Rebecca and I were partners. I don't think you know Rebecca. Um, and it was, I was having a really hard time adjusting to the time change. And also my roommate was another one of our debate team members. And she brought a guy back to the room like when I was asleep and not feeling well. And so I had to escape and like, we go to Chris's room and we watch count of Monte Cristo and I'm like sleep deprived, jet lagged and starting to feel sick. And I watch count of Monte Cristo and I'm like, I will fucking have my revenge. I never got my revenge, but um, I started to decline pretty hard after we finished prelims and I didn't break surprise. Um, and this is over the end of like the Christmas holidays and over new years. And they have a banquet for, I think it was for the final. So they had a dinner and then there was going to be the actual like final round in a theater and had like traditional Irish dancers and stuff. It's very fancy. But at dinner, I started to feel like I wasn't even real anymore because I was starting to feel so sick. And I've been talking about it for some time. And Chris was at a different table with like a bunch of other judges and coaches because Chris was our debate coach at the time. Somehow. Yeah. How did that fucking happen? I don't know. He won nationals once. That's why. Ugh. Yeah. So I go up to Chris and I don't even say anything. And he looks at me and he says, are you dying? And I said, yeah, I think so. And I legitimately thought like I should maybe go to like, uh, I don't know, a clinic or something. I was not feeling good. And he said, well, if you're going to die, can you go do it outside? <laughs> um, so I just went and sat back down at the table and kind of stared at my like pot roast or something. And uh, I ended up being so sick. I had to miss like the first week of classes in winter term. When we got back, I had a very severe flu um, and I probably should have seen a medical professional. So Chris definitely should have done fuck that you. back when you could have afforded it in the EU. I know. Well, I, had to, I, had, I think it was under, how the fuck old was I? I was still covered by a PSU. Oh, well, still. I was like, sitting in my, like, women's studies class on the first day of that term thinking I got to get through this. And I was, like, sweating through every item of clothing I had. This isn't good. It's, like, 28 degrees outside. <laughs> I'm, it's not good. Um, I'll tell the Butter Museum story, but I feel like I've been talking a lot. Um, so the first time he we went to Ireland, 
Rebecca and I were on a special trip where we did Oxford and, uh, we did, I think we did Cork first and then we went to London and then we did Oxford and that's where I know I see the doggo rolling around onto ground. That is the Oxford. I made it to, uh, quarterfinals at, by the way. Um, so we were in Cork and we were at this invitational tournament and Chris promised us that the day after the tournament ended before we, um, before we got on a flight to go back to England, that he was going to get up so that we could go to stone or not Stonehenge, the Blarney, uh, Blarney stone, Blarney castle. Um, I was forgetting which fucking country we were in for a second. (laughs) Um, Chris didn't get up. Chris had too many beers at the hotel bar. Um, and he didn't wake up. Uh, this tournament, a lot of tournaments, uh, the international ones would give you swag bags because they get like corporate sponsorship. And so you get this bag with like, um, informational things on brands, but also like supplies for the week, like hand sanitizer and shit like that. Um, and they put condoms in it because I think they were overly confident about the debate world's ability to hook up with itself. Some people were just told a story where I did, but that's you. Yeah. You are not the typical debater. No. Think about the people we knew in debate. I did pretty well. You did pretty well. At debate. (laughs) So Rebecca and I were getting frustrated because there were only so many buses that we could get. And he said he was going to go with us. And we start shoving condoms under his door. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we go back to our room and kind of devise a plan. Because we had a map of the city. Like... Obviously, we're not going to get to go to the Blarney Stone. So what are we going to do? And um, not too far for a person who was not hungover was a butter museum because we were uh, in Cork and they had like a Kerrygold, like a strong history of the butter there. So Chris finally gets up and he like feels like complete shit. Oh, he's going to hate that I the story because there's a part of the story he especially doesn't want people to know. So we don't tell him where we're going. We just start sneaking through the city streets and the walk to the Butter Museum is actually up a hill. And it's a pretty substantial one, especially if you're hungover. So we get there and we get to the Butter Museum like, surprise, Chris, this is the fun thing we wanted you to see. It's the Butter Museum. And we go through and learn all about butter molds and all about the the cows and the kinds of grasses that they eat. And Chris walks through. He looks like confused and he doesn't look well. And then he goes to the bathroom And he comes back out of the bathroom and he says, we need to leave. (laughs) Um, So we're fairly confident that he may have destroyed some plumbing in the, in the butter museum. So I don't know. That's my best friend in a way. He's more like my brother. I'll, I'll ask him why he's such a dick. Yeah. That's your real brother. That too. I don't get to talk to my real brother. My, so my, I don't want to keep telling stories. You tell a story about something or someone. I don't know. Like, you've got the octafinals at Oxford. I can't remember anything good that I've ever done in my life. I'm human garbage, and I don't remember yesterday. I barely remember this morning. How do you remember that you did anything? Because I remember... Ever. I remember the things that I commit myself to remember. Funny things, or things where I was victorious in something. I want to forget everything, and just go along with the vague hope that tomorrow is a little better than today. That's my story. Actually, I had a story I wanted to read. Oh, yes, let's do that. Yeah, this is my pop culture shout out. 
It is the Shatner Chatner. Can you explain? It is a Substack, um, kind of like a subscription blog where half the posts are free and you pay five bucks a month to subscribe to see all the posts. It's only five bucks a month. And it's by Danny uh, Nay Mallory Ortberg, who did the toast with Nicole Cliff, which is not something I was heavily plugged into. Um, it's probably sort of media blackout around then as well. Just by choice at that age. If you have time to go back and like read the toast archive, you would a hundred percent love it. Yeah, I have. I mean, I read toast stuff, mm -hmm. and I always like it. Um, but Danny Ortberg started his own subchat called the Shatner Chatner, and uh, I became a paying subscriber after a much more kind of a, a ponderous and serious post about um, life and death and naming things. Uh, but most of the other posts are like old-timey pictures of sailor sailors rated on how hard of a dike they are. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like a little boy with a lollipop and a sailor outfit. And it's like not very dikey. <laughs> it reminds me too of femme. One of the sweaters that you got today, you didn't even see it on you. I just told you you looked very gay and androgynous in it. And you're like, then I'm getting it. <laughs> I'm like that little boy needs a snack. If it's gay, then I'm buying it. <laughs> and I'm wearing it. No. And I mean that in... A, gay in a very positive sense of the term yes. not as a derogatory of course statement. not no never um so there are frequently published essays on this and one of them is about untitled goose game which after reading this i'm so excited to figure out how to download and play it mm -hmm. i think this is how people feel about borderlands or fallout oh like, people get very excited and anticipatory about these games. And now I am <clears throat> excited and anticipatory about playing a game where... <clears throat> I am the horrible goose that lives in the town. I am the horrible creeping bag of sound that is the most worst to you. I will use my beak to mischief you and I will press B. I wobble my snake front body and I waggle my bag back body and they meet in the middle to plan a bad idea to upset you. I flap back and forth my business rear for balancing and I snapple pap my feet all up and down the town for terrible reasons and you don't like it. I am the goose and you are the miserable boy with no honk. I invented my body and it was the best idea. <laughs> honk, honk. I flap open my back in celebration when I make a victory over the fence, when I smash it from its lock, when I smash it down, when I undo all of your doing. Here I honk. I hold up all of my wings and I make more layers of me, the goose that hates your family. These are the keys that you do not have. I am flat and racing over the earth and you are all the way stood up, all the way confused, all the way overalls and no ideas. I make a fight between yourself and your memory. I wet your feet because I do not respect them. I wet them with a lake and I am lake satisfaction. Your garden? I make it terrible. I make a puzzle of your garden. I hustle up your carrots and remove all rakes for a punishment to you. Theft puts a parade into my walk. I am so proud to steal from you and your bad family who are no good to me and are not geese. I am the most goose who ever was and I am enough goose for the whole town because I am a little white heartbeat that moves very fast, more fast than anything else, for surprises. 
My business is the worst business and you have it. Here I come. I'll take any big thing, small thing meant for hiding, whitest thing, right in my beak and hustle it away from your permission because I don't agree with property and never have. Here I come again. You cannot anticipate me because your brain is so big and weighty and far from the ground, but my brain is aerodynamic and small and ground sure and I have all I need in my wicked goose body and also I have your radio. Where is the boy for me to disrespect? I am his least friend. I see his games and I contempt them. I ruin his life. Glasses for him? No. Shoelaces for him? No. I make every escape. I am the pest of his whole awful body, but my body is so smooth and good. My body works. My body is the softest triangle with a hose attached, strong and useful and all the way sweetheart. You need everything, but I have it. I put my honk in a jar so there is more honk. I honk at you. I honk directly up to God and I will never leave. <laughs> you will never be well again and I will trouble your father all of the time. I am all a triumph. I am the most successful goose and you are misery with suffering and hopeless with loss. I have the beautiful bell in my mouth and now I have two honks and you have nothing to say. There is a beautiful golden bell in my mouth and your mouth is so so empty because you hate me the great goose with a mouth i am tremendous here i am coming with the good news of me and you hate it you can think only of the bell and how much i have it and you are never the goose i will run around with my bell as much as i want and you will make despair here comes the goose here comes the goose bell everybody be awake to the goose now and from now on you liked this village so much before the goose came and ironed over all your peace, but I'll bring soda can and boot trash into your bed and mouth. You'll never be the goose, and I already am the goose, as most as a goose can be, all coiled up and ready to ungoose again. That is upsetting. <laughs> um, but funny, yeah. Reminds me of doing prose. Did you do prose? I did. I had to do all IEs. My scholarship was based on IEs mostly. You got a scholarship? Yeah. Not good. I didn't get a scholarship. No, I didn't have a scholarship. I got a full ride. God damn you. <laughs> um, that was wonderful. Thank you. Um, we should sneak into the Mountain Hood Spring Fling sometime. Yeah. And just scream at them about geese. Yeah. We could just do that. Yeah. I'm getting pretty good at it. It's the third time I've read it out loud for someone. <laughs> Um, I actually, my pop culture kind of, um, leads into the, an anecdote that is similar to that because it involves Gail, um, who we both know, mm -hmm. a friend from debate. She and I did bad interp, which was done at two tournaments when we were competitive. Mount Hood has a spring fling tournament, which is like just letting off some steam at the end of the year. They did. I heard it moved to Clark. Well, who cares? Anyway, we're not, anyway, um, but OSU had um, bad interp too, even though it was a regular tournament. So um, Gail and I wrote one where we were performing a duo, which uh, is like a dramatic piece that you uh, trim to fit within like an eight or 10 minute parameter. And it's usually some sort of like very impactful dialogue from a play or film. Like in high school, friends of mine did Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which I, that's, Ugh. Anyway, so we started off with doing a fake duo in the round of the virgin suicides. And then um, one of us, me, 
fucked up printing the pages or something and there was no more script but then my harry potter fanfic fell out of my binder and it was all like very blue and there were like three <laughs> different stories in it one of them was draco explain blue for our younger listeners um so you want to like the actual history of it like the blue laws oh no i just wanted you to say that it's horned it's horned <laughs> if you're gen z it's horned um so one of the stories was uh, Dobby trying to nuzzle up to Hermione's num-nums. <laughs> Another story was Draco and the giant squid having a fateful meeting at the edge of the lake. And then one of them <laughs> was uh, <laughs> like a Christ allegory of Harry Potter. And like, uh, anyway, it was a very long time ago and it was very funny. But um I miss Gail. She's she's all working at Harvard now. Yeah. She's like important or mm-hmm. something. But um, my pop culture uh, is something that I learned about from her, which is very apt timing considering um, my recent experiences dealing with pet death and how I'm very ill prepared for both future pet death of like the animals in my life I've actually bonded with, like my cats and um, people in my life, like my family. So I've been watching uh, the Ask a Mortician YouTube channel, which is very much about death acceptance and starting to like uh, be positive about like how people have agency over their their plans and how people are falsely led into believing things like embalming is required it's not things like that um learning what cremation actually entails things like that so it's not supposed to be morose or scary and it's actually been kind of comforting and now i can actually tell you what i would like to have done to my body when i die okay since you're definitely outliving me i know what i'm supposed to do with your drawer (laughs) Let's not talk about that here. Okay. Um, I have decided... Take the sex toys out. I think I'm going to get a locking thing with like a combination lock for it. I have four crowbars. No, but you would know the combination. Oh, okay. But like (laughs) my parents wouldn't. No, you're the only person I trust with that. Okay. Um, But I want to have a natural burial. I don't want to be embalmed. And I want to be put, I think, into a conservation cemetery, which is where they bury, do natural burial, where you're not embalmed, not chemical, anything. And you're just left to decompose as nature intended. But they also plant the area with, like, native plants. And they cannot develop that ever. It's, like, permanently reserved for that sort of thing. And I think that would be really cool to kind of help secure um, an ecological area with my death. So that's what I'd like to have done. Oh, dump me in the sea. I don't know if we can do that. Do I have to take you out to international waters? Maybe. Okay. I mean, hole or, or ashes or whatever. Mm. Cremation is really, like, very bad carbon footprint-wise. Oh, then just dump the body in the sea. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk about that. You put me back where you found me. <laughs> You are a terrifying mermaid, (laughs) and you belong on the ocean floor where animals can feast off of you until Mm -hmm. you're nothing. Yeah. Um, But we should probably sit down and get our advanced directives planned. Yeah. She was talking about, so it's it's, uh, Caitlin Doty who does it, and Mm -hmm. she was talking about how advanced directives really secure a lot of rights, Um, like a family who decided that their trans son 
who had legally changed his name to what he was going by. He didn't have an advanced directive, so they were in control of the funeral and obituary and buried him under his dead name Mm -hmm. and things like that. And obviously that's not a circumstance that I have to deal with, but it's still like, how do you want things to happen? It's best to plan ahead and make sure that it actually happens that way or you're left to the whims of others. Yeah, you know we get free like will preparation Mm -hmm. very basic will preparation um advanced directives can be done yourself yeah you just download the form yeah i actually filled it out i just didn't turn it into anyone i filled it out before i got surgery before a dnr oh yeah i should have done something before my surgery um sometimes they require to be notarized sometimes they just require two witnesses we both know a notary um a few notaries actually Mm -hmm. if you want to involve my mother in this no yeah anyway um, so that's, that's been very helpful at giving me an idea of how to like plan and not be so afraid of the unknown. Cause there's a lot of things you can actually be in control of. So that's my pop culture. Cool. We both had good ones. Yeah. Yours was way more funny than mine. And goose. Goose. Um, do we have anything else that we want to talk about before we're done? I have to, um, go pick up a cat from the vet and... Um, get ready to be picked up for Seattle. No, just like there's no plan and we'll do our best and I will watch the next episodes this week so that I'm prepared to talk about them when we can talk about them. Okay. Um, I think I've already watched them because we were planning on doing it, but I think I need to rewatch. So we will um, try to, I think I'll post this episode this weekend rather than sitting on it. So maybe we can talk sometime during the week so we have something ready to go on Friday like we used to have ready. Mm -hmm. So maybe we'll take a walk at work and record. Yeah, that would be fine. We could go on the woody path. Yeah. So um, we're going to make sure that this happens the best that we can, um, but we're not going to guarantee anything because we still have very um, big responsibilities and life happens and we need to deal with that because adulthood and the instagram is active i reactivated it after a period of solemnitude and uh, i have another semi-nude pumpkin picture planned for this year because the last one was very it seemed very impactful to a number of people yeah and you especially love to horrify me with your body (laughs) yeah none of it was positive (laughs) <laughs> um, the Twitter's back up. Like, I mean, the Twitter never went down, but I just posted on it for the first time in months. So, um, and we'll post uh, uh, when episodes go live. There's not one positive reaction to that pumpkin picture. <laughs> <laughs> um, follow the Instagram if you want to see artful, like, semi-nudes of Badger. Yeah, it's not artful, but you can see the sweater. And I, I think that gives, like... I just love horrifying Kelly, and if other people are angered or horrified for the same reasons, I'm I'm about this. I got a compliment on this sweater, by the way. I know, I was there. Okay. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Okay, I'm glad we're doing this. I love you, Badger. I love you, Kelly. Okay, until next time. What's our sign-off? We would just say bye, probably. Oh. You want to say something like, see you on the next sex no. time. It's nope. Hi, Chris. What's up? Uh, why don't you tell everybody who you are? Uh, my name is Chris. I'm a Leo. That's, I'm... that's the first detail you go for is that you're a Leo? 
I don't know. What, do you want me to talk about like what I do for a living or my relationship to you or what? Yeah. How do you know me? So we've been friends for what, like 10, 15 years, somewhere around there. Yeah. Because uh, first you made my life hell as a debater on the PSU debate team and, and then you uh, came around. vastly oversimplifies it. Yes. I did try to get you fired. Yes. Yes, there was that. Um, you were a real bastard, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think I deserve to be fired, but I mean, I was perhaps not the most sympathetic individual. Um, so, how would you describe our friendship now? Uh, normal? Like... <laughs> I see. I, I view you as basically being my brother. Okay. Does that kind of comport? Like, we're kind of siblings? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's fairly accurate. I mean, your daughter is my niece, so... Yeah. Um, so I had, one, I had one question from Badger okay. um, for you. She wants to know why you're such a dick. Uh, I guess I would need to know in what way she thinks I'm such a dick. Like, yeah, are so we she, talking about, like... My political views or no. the way I treat like customer service people like what are we talking about do you remember when we were at the tournament at Northwest and she was there as a judge and she met the guy from Harvard Law and Jordan he, yeah yeah I still so funny story I have to see him all the time you do yeah he and I are write briefs against each other because he's part of general counsel for social security out of the Seattle office which handles all the appeals, social security appeals for the Northwest region. So he and I have actually gone up against, we've never had to do oral arguments against each other, but we've written briefs against each other. So she tells the story about how she was on a judging panel with him and seemed to have hit it off. And you said you only like him because he went to Harvard Law. And then later he asked for her number and you said, no, he didn't. Well, so here's the thing, you, you know, I, now I don't really know Jordan, but what I do know is that A, he's not terribly attractive. In your estimation. Yes. Okay, in mine too. Okay. And two, he's super Christian based on both where he went to school and the requirements to get into a place like that. Like, I didn't see how either of those things would be compatible with Badger. You know, Badger, like, had a pretty evangelical, scary fire and brimstone upbringing. And now she's, to my understanding, rebelled kind of the opposite direction. I mean, she rebelled then, too. So, I guess I just don't understand how somebody is conservative thinking as Jordan would would jive with somebody who in my view is probably much more much more on the left side of things like Badger. Well, obviously it didn't work out. Yeah. Whatever. Badger's tastes um, are not my tastes, which shouldn't be that surprising. But it was still very dismissive of you to be like, no he didn't when he did. Like, why would she have lied about that? I think I was probably joking. Yeah, your jokes are, one, not funny. Well, they're funny to me, which is what matters. 
Okay, your jokes are not funny. Okay. It's not even apparent sometimes when you are joking because you just sound like an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, you admit. That's part of what makes it funny. No, okay, three, the only thing you say that is genuinely funny is usually just quoting something else. Okay. Like The Simpsons? Yes. Okay. Or do you remember when we were in Germany? Uh, I mean, I, I, I guess I don't know what exactly I quoted that you're thinking of. So, we were in Germany for a debate tournament in Cologne, Germany. And then we took a, we got our flights um, delayed for our return. So we went to Paris for like five days, which was amazing. Um, despite we had like no money. The way that we booked the train trip back from Paris to Cologne, where our returning flights were, you and Carly went back together and I went back on the train a couple hours later. Yeah, I and, remember that. And then we were going to be in the hotel for one night and then fly home. Yeah. So I I take the train back, get to the station in Cologne, and then need to take a local train to get to the hotel. So I'm basically on my own in Germany. This is all checking out with your memory? Yes. Okay. As I'm waiting for the local train, which like the equivalent in Portland would have been, I think, the Max or the streetcar... Um, a guy comes up to me and I've got like my earbuds in and he says something and I take my earbuds out and I said, excuse me, or like, I'm sorry or something like that. And he had been speaking in German and then he, um, he goes like, oh, excuse me, your eyes are very beautiful. And I said, thank you. And then he said, do you want to sleep with me? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And then I said, I gotta go. I'm meeting somebody. And then I got on the train, and he was—he followed me on the train. Okay. And then I get off the. How do you know he wasn't already getting on the train, especially since he was there at the train stop? He had walked up, like off the street to me. I am just that captivating, Chris. Uh, well, okay. So I get to the—I I get off the train. He gets off at the same stop I do. I don't know where the hotel is. I find a couple. And I ask them if they speak English, and they point me to the hotel. I get to the lobby. They call you up. I get directions to the room. I come in, and I'm still kind of shaken up by this. And I tell you what happened. And you say, well, it's like a Euro trip. One out of five says yes, or something like that. Yeah. You had no... They're much more liberal in Europe. You had no regard for me being, like, upset. Well, I guess I, I didn't understand what you were so upset about. Because... Because a guy propositioned you? Because when women... Like, normally, that's, like, a good thing. Oh, fuck off. Okay. The, it's not... Woman comes up to me and does that? I'm like, hell yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna... Obviously, I'm married, and I'm not gonna be, like, going off and having random hookups. But I'm like, hey, that's awesome that somebody finds me attractive enough to want to see me naked. The problem is... That when a woman says no thank you, there's a higher propensity for things like retaliatory violence. And the fact that he got on the train when I did, and then he also got off the train when I did, made me think that I was in a situation where I was going to be assaulted. Okay? But you were in a public place. That doesn't fucking matter. What? That pe- women get killed on the street for rejecting advances of men all the time. I, I'm not doubting that, but I mean... 
was there anything aside from the fact that he was in your general proximity that made you think that? No, but that's enough. If I have a gut feeling that this situation is not good and I'm upset by it and I finally am like relieved that I'm out of that situation, you know, it's not an easy thing to go through. You don't know what it is like to live in a fear of violence because of your biological sex. Anyway, a little sympathy, a little like, I'm sorry you went through that. A little like, well, you're safe now. Like, he can't get you here. That type of shit would have been nice. Well, it seemed to me at the, at the time that you were overreacting quite a bit. Do I have a tendency to do that? Yes. <laughs> like when? A lot. Tell, tell me stories, Chris. Uh, well... Let me, let me let me back that up a little bit and say I'm not saying that you overreact about things about you like that have actually happened to you that I can think of very much. More so you get very emotionally reactive to stories about other things in general. Okay. Whether it's somebody we know or something local or just sort of a general principle or concept tend to get very uh, worked up. I think I feed off of your seeming indifference to things though too. You have like a very flippant view when it comes to like things like violence against women sometimes. I don't think you genuinely hold that view. I have a flippant view? Yeah, well like we were talking about slut walks one time and you were like. Slut walks? Yeah a long ass time ago. You mean like Arches? Yeah. Okay. And like women owning their sexuality and like you you basically your thesis point was if you dress like that you're asking for it. Whoa. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean I'm distilling it down. I'm distilling down First of all, well, back that up. When I say let's let's clarify here. There's a difference when you say they're asking for it. There's a, you have to be clear about what you're referring to. There's a difference between saying you're asking for it as in to be sexually assaulted. I never, ever, ever have said that. What I have said is people often dress a certain way to achieve a certain result, meaning that they often wear certain clothes to be looked at a certain way. Yeah, and that no, works for both sexes. I didn't mean you meant sexual assault. I've oversimplified what you said, and I, I don't want to mischaracterize that conversation. However, I feel like you were using rhetoric when we were talking, like, specifically designed to get me pissed off. Oh, well, I do that all the time. So, <laughs> that's, that's why, like, if you're, like... Like uh, One of our favorite games back in the debate years was to see how, how we could get Kelly riled up. Was it a whole thing? Who oh, else, yeah. Who else was in on it? Oh, Adler, Turner. Yeah. <laughs> Turner was my debate partner for a good year. Yeah. Oh, man. Rest in peace. Um, Josh would do it a lot. Yeah, well, Josh physically assaulted me, too, so. Which, uh... I feel like that also was not received very well when I brought that up. I have no idea what you're referring to. We were hosting a high school tournament. Uh-huh. And he and I had had a disagreement when he was trying to clean out the debate office. And um, he was like, can I move these boxes? And we were, like, literally prepping the debate tournament, like, writing extent topics and entering tab and stuff like that. And I said, yeah, as long as it's not in the way. 
Like, meaning, don't get it in the door because we keep going in and out and stuff. And he thought I had meant it to be, like, you are in the way, like, in this process. And, like, you just need to leave or something like that. And then we went and, like, aired our grievances a little bit during the tournament. And that was when um, Owen and Russell were running tab. So this tells you how long ago that was. Yeah. So we had bought cans of tab for the tab staff. <laughs> Do you remember? I mean, not specifically, but... Okay. And Badger, like, thought it was so weird how much I remember things like this. But I commit it to memory when I care. So he sees the cans of tab and he said, can I have one of these? And I said, we got those for the tab staff. And so he threw a can at me because he was pissed off that I... I probably said it like an asshole. Like, I, I was definitely not very good at, like, hiding my derision for people when I spoke at the time. But then, like, I started writing a letter to you to describe what these incidents were on the team laptop. And I left the office for a minute at one point, and he read the letter. And so, like, he took me into, like, one of the ballrooms in Smith to like have it out with me and he got so frustrated with me that he grabbed my hair and he shook my head he grabbed the top of my hair and he shook me so that's just like life as a woman so it's great well (laughs) first of all I don't think that's life as a woman I think that's life as Kelly who happens to be a woman (laughs) Do you think he would have done that to me if I was a guy? Yeah. I think Josh would have. He's, he's that kind of guy. Okay. <laughs> well, that's not the only time I've been assaulted. Um, so. I mean, you should have called the police. And then I you would. thought it was serious. And then how would I be painted in terms of overreaction? Well. Everybody already hated me. They had a meeting behind my back to try to depose me as a coordinator. Okay. It's, I just was not doing myself any favors when I was reacting to stuff anymore. Oh. I was trying to process things the way that it felt right. And I, you know, it was a rough time. Yeah. You know what really helped to, like get through that that period of like everybody fucking hating me was what Sean said to me and he's like you know I think life would be a lot easier for you if you just like learn to laugh at yourself sometimes Sean had pearls of wisdom can you believe so since then I have tried to like find the humor in situations a lot more and be a little like self deprecating a little like punching up that type of stuff. I think things have gone better for me. Yeah. But, you know, there's still shit that gets me pissed off and I I feel emotional about it and you get frustrated with me when I do. Like the fact that I don't want to engage in politics yet for next year for the election. Well, I think it's interesting that you are like a political animal in terms of a lot of the things that you care about but you don't take it to that level to 
to like the national political level because it's so overwhelming after the election happened it was I have never felt that like much despair about the country and whether or not there was even a future worth living for as it happened right then yeah we were all pretty shocked I was getting explosive with people I don't normally get explosive with and it was a hard time I think if you look at national statistics, like the whole nation was, there was a huge spike in people getting mental health treatment and like turning off the news and just not being able to engage with anything beyond their bubble. So uh, that has kind of persisted because there are so many things that continually upset me. And so... The problem is there will always be things that will upset you until we live in like a perfect utopian equality, you're going to be upset. So, but a lot it's of like, it are I you could, just not going to engage in life? I don't know. It's just, it seems so much worse now than a lot of the other things. And I... Well, I don't think it's worse now. I think you're just older now, so you're aware of more of it. Regardless, I have made the, the determination that I need to take a step back and kind of shield myself from some of the, the really aggravating and... and for lack of a better term, triggering things that are happening right now and kind of allow myself to get that information in doses that isn't going to totally overwhelm me. And I find certain things especially frustrating and not very valuable, like watching the candidate debates. They're not fucking debates and you know that. No, they're not debates in the sense that we think of debates now. And nobody can win them because 13 people versus each other is also, like, not any way to have... I don't know that political debates have ever really been debates since, like, Lincoln and Douglas. So, that adds no value to my life. I can find out from, like, summations afterwards what the key principles are. Well, what about all this, like, impeachment stuff in the last week and a half? I've had a little bit more exposure to that than I think I would have normally allowed for myself. But not a whole lot. Like I listened to the, um, I listened to a lot of podcasts, like 99% Invisible, um, and that host Roman Mars does another podcast called "What Trump Can Teach Us About Con Law," with a like a, a law professor. And on 99PI this week, they played two episodes of the Trump Con Law podcast, specific to impeachment, and kind of like what it, uh, like how it works, and. Like, he cannot self-pardon an impeachment. Like, it's specifically delineated in the Constitution that he can't self... Um, self uh, That's uh, not in the Constitution. She said it was. It doesn't say... As it pertains to impeachment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Sorry. You're right. You're right. Yes. As a, I thought you just meant self-pardon in general. No, no, no. It only... It, it's yeah. only explicitly forbidden in impeachment yeah. proceedings. So those are the sorts of things that was kind of cool to hear because he can't pardon his way out of this one, except he can also refuse to accept the legitimacy of the Senate. So that's fun. Um, anyway, like I've given myself a little more exposure to that, but like my coworker was sitting there just like watching congressional testimony or something like at work. And I'm like, Thursday, yeah, yeah I, I don't want to do this right now. So. Well, I, I came home uh, Wednesday with like the shit really hit the fan. You can say whatever the fuck you want. We have an explicit rating. Nice. Uh, When the shit really hit the fan on Wednesday, I came home and, like, had myself a 
couple of Jamesons and just sat and watched like hours of the back and forth. It was glorious. See, it's like your that is nothing for me. It's like your team starting to win in a football game. <laughs> I, and I really want to hope that this goes somewhere. Um, I, people well, are kind of taking bets now on what the actual outcome is going to be. Is he just going to resign? Is it actually, or is like McConnell going to make everything go away? Um, that sort of stuff. I, I just don't want to get too hopeful, I guess, because I, there's been very little to give me hope. Oh yeah. The old DGH don't get happy. Well, don't get hopeful. Yeah, but, I mean... But you, you like this stuff. Yeah, and I work in an office where we're all pretty... We're all on the same political page, and we all sort of talk about this stuff throughout the day, so it's... It's part of how I connect with my coworkers. I connect with mine with memes. See, my, my coworkers... Three of them are in their 60s and 70s, so they don't really do memes. Yeah. I'm just a little bit younger than you. You had a big birthday this year. Big 4-0. Old man. Yep. So they say the next 10 years are just going to go by really quick. That's what I hear. Actually, from like 35 onwards, I have that to look forward to because I'm 35 next month. Yeah, what are you going to do for your birthday? I'm going to get some tattoos. Of what? I decide I've um, been planning this for some time. Um, I'm gonna get a, like a evergreen tree on the inside of one wrist and a rose on the inside of another, the other wrist. Evergreen tree. Yeah. So it's gonna be my timbers and thorns tattoos, but oh. it's going to be. Um, I didn't want to be super explicit and like put like a team logo or like the um, timbers army logo or something like that. I wanted it to be something that could kind of stand alone. Uh, so I actually made the appointment. Jordan from work who you've met, she's going to go with me. I need to find a tattoo artist that'll do my Star Wars tattoos. Okay, what Star Wars tattoos? You just want like the... The, um, Rebellion insignia? Yeah. Yeah. You can just like bring that into any shop because it's an existing design. You don't need someone to like create a piece of art for you. Yeah. I just want somebody that is happy to do it. Okay, I think most tattoo artists... They'll take my money. Probably. So... At Rose City Comic Con two weeks ago, they had three different tattoo artists there, uh, tattoo shops with multiple artists doing tattoos, but the wait was pretty long and I didn't really feel like waiting doing it right there. So, ostensibly, this podcast is about adventure time and sex in the city and me making Badger watch Sex in the City and she's making me watch Adventure Time. What is your experience with those two shows? I've never seen Adventure Time, and I've seen, like, three episodes of Sex in the City. What do you think of Sex in the City? Um, I, I don't, I guess I don't, obviously I didn't like it enough to, like, continue watching it or make a thing of watching it, but I, I was, you know aware of it at its height the popularity and like women going into bars and ordering Cosmos and Manhattans to be like Carrie Bradshaw yeah you know oh funny funny side note uh-huh. the podcast that I listen to the Mike O'Mara show he 
went to high school and his senior prom date was the woman who created Road Sex in the City. Oh, Candace Bushnell? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So he probably wound up in her column at some point or something. I don't know. But, yeah. Just side note. So I was, not, I've, I was never really into it or anything, but I think I saw one episode where she, Carrie, went home with like a 20-something. Oh, that, yeah. And she wakes up and she's in a 20-something's apartment. Yeah. And it's a complete shit show. Yeah. Badger, that's, we reviewed that one. That's and the one episode I really remember. Yeah. Um, apparently, like, he was all captivating before they hooked up and then like after they hooked up somehow she like turned him stupid with her vagina or something and he was like oh dude I don't have toilet paper and that's what I remember there was no toilet paper my house is a shithole which you apparently didn't notice as you were climbing a ladder to get into my bed yeah that sort of thing and then I also remember seeing clips from some episode where who's the brunette what's her name uh that one was Charlotte Charlotte uh, discovers a, a new vibrator. Oh, yeah. The rabbit or something? Yeah, and she gets so obsessed with it, they yes. go and take it away from her and put it in their purse. Like, uh, Miranda takes it and puts it in her purse after it has just been used without, like, first cleaning it. And I'm like, that is 100% not what would have happened. Well, I, I've seen clips of that, but that's about all I know of Sex in the City. Okay, what do you know about Adventure Time? Nothing. So, Miri would love it. It's a kid's show. Um, it is... Badger has a friend who's got their very young child watching it. And there are some, like, really... Um, is that the show that that deals with, like, some sort of sauce for McDonald's? No, that's Rick and Morty. Oh, okay. Never mind. No, that one's definitely not a children's show. Do not show that to your daughter. Um, Adventure Time is bright and colorful and short and happy. And What's it about? It's uh, Finn the human. He's a human boy. And Jake the dog, who is an elasticized dog. And they go on adventures together. And there's a lot of, like, very heavy nerd culture in it. So it's totally accessible for a small child to watch it. Because there's, like, bright colors and sing-songy characters. But then for people our age who've, like, played D&D maybe one time or know like of certain things in the the I mean you go to comic cons you yeah. I mean there's like a like an element of nerd culture that is kind of more of a deep cut that I think you get a lot out of and some of the stories are just like goofy happy stuff and then some of them deal with like themes of like loss and failure and things like that um so it's definitely a kid's show but it's a hundred percent a type of show that an adult can get something out of so you can watch it with her, and it's going to be way more enjoyable than fucking Spirit is. She likes horses. Does she like the toy I got her for her birthday? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She lose all the stuff already? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she has the basic structure and the horse. Um, but, like, the but bridle like the hay, and the hay and everything. The hay is missing. Yeah. We had to look for that, couldn't find it. We got to do a whole culling of her, of her toys, because there's too many. She's got, like, a whole kitchen's worth of fake food. Yeah. It's just, it's too much. You know, JJ Jump was kind of a shithole. Oh, yeah. Why do you take your kid there? Uh, the same reason you take your dog to the dog park. 
I don't know. Dog parks are nicer than JJ Jump. To exercise them and get them get the energy out. Yeah, I guess so. It just like I, I don't know how much they wash those toys that she played with. Probably never. <laughs> okay. Now Playdate PDX, they actually at the end of every day they go sanitize everything in there. That's I've seen good. them do it. Um, but JJ Jump is just more of a bounce, 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 slide, slide, slide. Get your energy out. Yes. You must sleep eventually, child. Um, okay. Well, Badger and I talk about those television shows, but we go on many tangents about, like, life and remembering stories. And, uh, since we've all known each other for a very long time, uh, you've come up before. So, (laughs) yeah. In, In what way? Um, just kind of, like, anecdotally, but, like, specifically today she told the story about Harvard Law. And I told the story about how when we went to Worlds in Ireland and I got really sick and he told me to just go die outside. <laughs> See? Why wouldn't I react strongly to that? You're so was that, mean. Was that, uh, was that Dublin Worlds? No, I didn't go to Dublin Worlds. Oh. Um, that was the first year I was on the team. And oh, I it was the end of Cork Worlds. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. I remember when y'all got back from Dublin, though, and um, we heard about how, like, Adler lost Eric on the pub crawl. Yeah. (laughs) And then he, like, found Eric in an alley with a girl, and they were, like, making out and stuff. And um, you brought back Irish whiskey, and we were all at Emma's house, and there was a little, like, party. Okay. Um, And that's where I was not yet 21 or had only just turned 21. And I wrote on a red solo cup, Kelzor, destroyer of gnomes. And that's where Kelzor came from. Oh. Yeah. So that Irish whiskey was red breast. Was which it? Which is, uh, I got introduced to that in Dublin. I remember I was at a bar, dinner in a pub with Ben and Trisha Goodenow from OSU and her friend. And I went up to the bartender and I said, what is the best whiskey I can get for 10 euro? I gave it to him and he gave me red breast and it was amazing. And then I was able to get a bottle there for like 20 euro, which is like 30 bucks, which is like half the price it is in the U.S. Before we end this, do you have like a favorite story of either something we've done together or something like, oh my God, Kelly, because Badger's got a lot of those. Uh, well... My go-to one is about Paris. Mm. I almost forgot about that one. Do you want to tell that one? Sure. So, as was previously mentioned, we were in Paris. This was back in, like, what, 2008? Yeah, I'd say about then. Maybe, like, 2007. Yeah, 2007, 2008. And we were staying at a hostel. You and me and Carly after a tournament during spring break. And we started the day by going to the Eiffel Tower... And then we walked from the Eiffel Tower to the Louvre, so that involves walking along the Seine. And as we were walking along, you, this guy came up, guy, I say guy, I think he was more like a teenager. Mm, no, he was an older man. He was really? like probably. I thought it was a younger He guy. was either like in his 40s or 50s, as I remember it. Oh, well, he came up to you and showed you like a gold ring indicating he was wondering if you had dropped it Mm -hmm. and you said oh no no and then he's like well 
well, it's not mine, so take it. And you took it, and then he's like, the universal sign for pay me, which is like touching his mouth, like feed me something. And I think you gave him like 20 euro. No, 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 not that much. No. Oh. So he, he said, you take it for good luck. Oh. And I said, oh, okay, thank you. And we kept, we just started walking again. He, and he said, um, excuse me, since I gave you good luck, maybe you give me something. And you know what I gave him? What? A two euro coin, I'm pretty sure. They came in two a year. Oh, I think it was more than that. No, it wouldn't have been more than five because euros. Because I remember we were talking and you're like, this looks like a gold ring. This could be expensive. And then, and then like two hours later, you're like, oh, it's rubbing off on my yeah, finger. my finger turned green. <laughs> so it's not real gold. So then at that point, we knew it was a scam, uh, which you fell for. And I, I, I kind of knew that immediately. I did not give him 20 euros, though. I gave him maybe five euros. So we've gone from two to five. I don't think it was more. <laughs> I definitely don't think it was more than that because I wasn't carrying that much with me. We were fucking poor. Remember at the hostel every morning, I would load up food in my bag and take it with me. Yeah, but you would do that down. Yeah, I would. I'm a cheap bitch. Do you want to tell the story about what happened in the hostel in Germany? Oh, yeah. Same trip. Yeah. I was a peach to be around. Oh. Actually, it's better if you tell because I don't remember too many of the oh, details. Oh, because you were, like, ambient out. Yeah. Chris takes a lot of ambient because he needs it. Not only more so when traveling. I don't take it at home or anything. So we were all staying in one room in the hostel. It was me, Chris, Carly, and Virginia. Remember? Yep. Um, and we are um, in a room with like two bunk beds and Chris uh, snores. I think I do too. I've been told that I do. Regardless, like we could not fucking wake you up because uh, aforementioned you needed help sleeping in a different time zone. So um, I think like Carly like threw pillows at you and I was like, fuck you, Chris. Wake the fuck up. God damn it, Chris. <laughs> I talked to you with such like kindness and affection. Um, and it just like wasn't happening. And I'm like, well, I'm fucking awake. And it was fucking freezing too when we were in Europe. Like it was so windy yeah, and cold. cold. But I decided like if I'm awake, I might as well just do something productive and shave my legs. <laughs> so I go into the bathroom and I don't want to like use the shower or the full bath or whatever we had there. So I just was like, I'll do it in the sink. I've done this before. It's fine. So I get started and, um, I was lifting up like my ankle of one of my legs and I was kind of like propping it so I could reach more effectively, but my leg was wet and my leg slipped out of my grip and my, my foot dropped into the basin of the sink and punched a hole through the porcelain. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what just happened? And I go back into the main room and I think like you had been sufficiently bothered by us that you were not in a very deep sleep at that point. And I went, Chris, 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 I broke the sink. And you like, and you like get out of your bed and you walk and you shuffle into the bathroom and you come out and you're like, holy shit, you broke the sink. (laughs) And then the next morning was when we were leaving and you tried to explain to the like student worker at the checkout because the hostel was like run by teenagers. It was in Germany. It was weird. And we didn't speak German. So you tried to explain what happened, and you said the sink is broken, 
and they didn't understand. And I suggested that maybe if you had said basin instead, I don't know if that would have worked, but we just like left and we tried to tell them, but they found out eventually, I'm assuming. So, well, yeah, (laughs) I mean, they had to have, right? So that was, there was a lot that happened during that trip. Yeah, I remember the other, the trip the next year when you and Rebecca and I went to Ireland for, before Oxford. Yeah. And we were drinking in the hotel bar. Uh-huh. And I had run up, like, between the three of us, probably, like, a hundred-plus euro bar tab. And I was trying to pay it, but I'm also getting more and more drunk this whole time. And I couldn't get anybody's attention to come pay it. And so finally we just left. Yeah. Never paid that bar tab. Nope. I feel a little bad about that. I mean, you did due diligence. Yeah. I feel like I did, yeah. You know how nervous I am all the time? If I was, like, even saying I have no qualms about this, then, like, yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? So that same trip to Paris when we were, or when we were in the hostel. Yeah. So I was in a different room. I think all three of us were in different rooms. Yeah, I wasn't with Carly. Yeah, and I was sharing it. I was in a four-person room with two sets of bunk beds with three people who were all from Fordham University, two guys and a girl, and one of the guys and, and the girl were together sharing a bed and putting their luggage on the other bed, which was a little weird because uh, they're like tiny twin beds. But apparently... I was snoring so bad that one of the guys, like, could not sleep the entire night and, like, ended up, like, walking around Paris all night because I kept him up. So, I felt so bad I brought them all back earplugs the next day. hmm I think you got a bunch of vodka from, like, one of your hostel mates. Yeah. Too. So, the people I was staying with, um, they did the typical, like, college student thing where they just, like, do a really quick run through Europe and they do, like, a city a day, which I can't even imagine because yeah. that's so much travel for so little payoff, but whatever. Well, when you're 20, it can give you a bird's eye view of what you might want to come back and see more of, but... So these two girls, they got scammed, too. They got a caricaturist who did a picture of them and then he, like, way upcharged them after it was done and they, like were compelled to pay I guess so it just like happened oh and then I almost uh, anyway be savvy when you go to Paris that's just the thesis statement here or have money yeah stay somewhere nicer than we did but um they were doing a city a day or whatever and they had like a fifth of vodka and they were like we can't take this with us for whatever reason like they just didn't have any more room in their bags and we got all that vodka I didn't even like drink it really I didn't drink much during that trip. I had a little bit of wine and then I, we got some, I had a beer on the train back to Germany, but I was like, so blissed out eating soft cheeses and apples and like taking naps and stuff that I wasn't really even like, I didn't feel like partying too hard. So, Hey, before we end this, I want to interview you a little bit about a particular topic. What? So I saw via Twitter nope. that you've been trying nope. this. Uh, don't, don't, nope. Facebook. I'm going to uh, fucking turn this off right now. What? I don't want to talk about this. I'm not asking you about your 
individual experience with it. I want to know what the process is like, oh. how it works on Facebook. Okay. Well, when's the last time you were on a dating app? Match? Yeah, like 2011. Yeah, so you haven't been on any of the more like um, phone-based online dating apps. No, you're, you're, they were all back in the day when you still used your computer. So, um, it works a little bit like I assume how Tinder works, though I haven't used Tinder and how Bumble and OkCupid work, which I have used, because last year um, I was like, hey, um, just because the unexamined life dot, 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 I should at least, you know, think about whether or not I actually am single because I want to be or um, single because I've uh, told myself that I want to be single. Because you think that I'm lying to myself when I say I think I'm okay single. Well, I think people are naturally social. Yeah, I'm a social creature. I see friends. I do social things. But, you know, I think it's worth examining once in a while whether or not I actually am happy being solitary as it ter- in terms of, like, a romantic sense. So last year, I got back on OkCupid, which I had been on before, and I had met one of my exes on OkCupid. Bear? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can tell a story about that at some point. No. No. Um, but now it's different because it was not like using a web browser. It's using the app and um, Bumble. So how it basically works is you get like the photos of the person and a very, very brief bio of them. And you decide in that moment, yes or no. You swipe like right or swipe left or whatever. You heart or X or whatever it is. It's, so you get photos in like three sentences? Kind of basically. They can write... How shallow... But that's like how it works. We're an instant gratification culture, right? And people's attention just diverts so quickly. Who's got the time to sit and read like a personal essay on every person they're considering? If I was into it, that's I would prefer one. Like from what I, if I remember right, like eHarmony is way more in depth. It might still be. I don't know. eHarmony is so like marriage based, though. Well, yeah, it's. I mean, but. I would be, like, all about some really more in-depth, like, service or something. So, but it kind of feeds on this, like, just go with your first impression, and then... Well, there's something to say that if there isn't a physical attraction, you're probably not gonna, you know, nothing's gonna happen from it. So there is that, but I would say that the, the physical attraction box only narrows it down so far. Then there's a lot of things like have a criminal record. Well, I mean, that's not something that's (laughs) going to come up anyway in most other dating sites as it is. That's why you pay pay for background checks, okay? But anyway, um, which I know you had Dundee, right? Katie did it to me. She didn't pay for it. Yeah. She worked for DHS at the time, so she just did a quick OGIN search to see if there were any court records on me. I'm pretty sure my mom did a background check on my dad. (laughs) Well, uh, anyway, so... It is really, it's not like they don't write anything. They usually write like a self-statement and then like maybe answer a few questions about like, what's your ideal day in? Or like, what's your favorite book? And things like that. Yeah, it's, it's so, you know, I, I was listening to this thing on NPR a few weeks ago about this, this guy was saying, it's scary to me how much online dating is not that much different than trying to find a job online. <laughs> You're basically putting your resume up there and curating it and impression management and all that sort of crap. So on Bumble, 
if you have mutually liked each other, only the girl or self-identifying female or whatever can initiate the conversation. I am not sure how that works with um, same-sex couples or same-sex matches. Um, so I had, like, when I talked, when I was on the apps last year, I had a little bit of, like, conversations on Bumble. They didn't really go anywhere. And then I had a conversation with a guy on OkCupid that was going pretty well, but he, I, I don't know, he seemed to, like, really be into me, and I was, like, um, I don't know. He was nice, but I didn't think he had, like, much going on for him, so I was, like, I'm pretty happy right now not doing this, so I'm, I just kind of ghosted when I had my surgery, which I'm not proud of. I just kind of like deleted the apps quietly and then just didn't go back on. I'm not proud of it. I did it. Um, so. I don't think you're, I don't think. I think we're at a stage where you can ghost people as long as it's not like, it's not considered like too bad. Mm. So. Especially if you've never met in person. Right. No, and he hadn't even like talked about meeting in person or anything see at first when I see I was like into the online dating thing like way back like 15 years ago back in like the mid 2000s back in like Yahoo personals and stuff like that and I came to the conclusion that all you're really doing is basically using if you're doing it right you're using the online system to basically replace like a singles bar yeah, it's more like speed dating than probably yeah, anything. But but that you you shouldn't replace it for really getting to know somebody face to face because there have been instances where I spend more time getting to know someone online and getting to know all this and you know becoming invested in things like that, and then you meet them and you just know instantly it's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. Certain things about the way they act or or out before just annoy the hell out of you. Sure, that's and so, fair. And so my philosophy is you want to, you know, use the apps and stuff to check off certain boxes, but once those boxes are checked, you meet them and figure out if it's going to go somewhere or not. Otherwise, you're just building it up to potentially waste your time. Yeah, I can, I can see that, but you also know my history is kind of atypical for someone my age. Meaning there's not a lot of it. And the last I was involved with anyone was a very long time ago. So, and I have uh, anxieties and issues and I'm a troubled person. So my way of processing things is going to be different, I think, than what might be like recommended. But that's just how I'm living my life. So with the Facebook thing, do you just like check a box that says, yes, I want my profile to be included in this service? You have to like actively set it up within the, it's like its own special screen and it's only on your like mobile app. Like it's not on the web browser. So you go and you like set which pictures you put as your profile and you like can write a little self summary. I did neither of those things. I kept my current profile picture, which is from 30 Rock. It's a Tina Fey's daughter recreating her first ever eye roll at her aunt's wedding. Yeah. And my summary is like soccer cats, soccer cats. Cause I don't give a fuck. Like I was doing this kind of like, cause I thought it would be funny to see what kind of garbage dump this like whole thing would be. And like the first 
like 20 people that it recommended to me were way too close in my like circle, like friends of friends on Facebook and like people who work at OHSU and things like that. And I was like, this is uncomfortable. Um, so I thought it was going to be, I don't know. Uh, you know, online dating is just its own little like weird, uh, it's weird. And it's been so long since I've, I mean, it's been over five years since I've. So when you first signed up, did you like get a flood of like unsolicited, hey, how are you emails? No, no, no. That's not how that works. That's what I'm curious about. Yeah. So how does it work? Um, so at first you just sign up and they wait till like enough people are active on it until they even suggested matches. So you get suggested matches based on parameters you set, like age, uh, height, geographical distance. Well, if you want your list of those things, I still have them. Oh my God. The fucking list that we wrote at yeah. a Winterhawks game. It's on my notepad in my phone that's been transferred from phone to phone to phone because it's just part of my backup. I don't know. That was a long time ago. That was like four years ago? No, or was it before? It was before. It was like towards the beginning of when you and Alex were getting together. And then you wrote, read that list back to me just to throw it in my face how many things he did not qualify for, which is really fucking shitty, but I guess it was necessary. Um, so you get recommended matches and you can like whoever you want. Um, and if they like you back, you get a notification and then one of you can start a conversation or you get a notification if someone liked you, um, that you didn't like initially see it as a suggested match and you can like them back and then start a conversation if you want. So that's just how it goes. So not to get into specifics, but how many conversations do you have going on? Currently only one. But were there more previously? There was a really bad conversation that started. This guy I was talking to, like, we had exchanged a few messages, and then he, like, stopped responding. And I was like, cool, whatever. And then, like, five days later, he messaged me again. And I'm like... said what? And, like, just picked, like, up right exactly where we left off, talking about this, like, organization he works with. And I'm like, what... So why is that bad? Because it's five days later means he, like ran out of other options and thought he'd circle back. So? I don't know. I thought it was shitty. I didn't like it. I didn't respond. What if he was, like, just out of town for the weekend? Who doesn't have their phone? It was a Wednesday. Well, maybe they're camping. You know what I mean? Okay. Life's too short. Oh, yeah. That's that's the issue. Life's too short. Are you... You're gonna... See, you're picking and prodding at me, trying to get me to like react right now. Well, you you're think being I'm irrational? Completely contradictory. You say life's too short one minute, and then the other minute you tell me about how you just deleted all the apps a year ago. So, is it life's too short, or no? Is life's it not? Too, life's too <laughs> short to like deal with somebody who doesn't communicate how you like them to. That's what I meant. Okay. I don't want to wait days and days between talking to somebody if I've like. That's just, I don't, no. Fuck off, I don't care. Okay. So I'm going to stop here at uh, Barbies. So we going to leave it at that? Sure. Um, thanks for listening to this episode of Sex Time. Sex Time. That's what it's called. Um, this has been an exclusive interview with my best or friend. Or is it Adventure City? <laughs> it's been Sex Time for like almost two years. Sex Time in the Adventure City. No, we already have a name of our podcast. 
You are so frustrating. We gonna get Arby's now? Uh, yes. Can you give me some curly fries? Because I'm pretty sure they're vegan. Yes. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Ciao.